Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Welcome again to the Defender Bible Study. This is Rick Morton, and uh, today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to have the whole chapter uh, that we're trying to get through today as we continue our uh, our Bible study in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. Last week, Pastor Chris talked about meat sacrificed to idols and, you know, just about our uh, cultural position as Christians, our ability and an attempt to uh, live in a world that doesn't always reflect Jesus, but about how we live according to Christian liberty as, uh, you know, as a result of um, situations where where maybe we're, we're free to do something, but it's not necessarily, um, you know, always something that everybody um sees as free and neutral and how do we treat, you know, weaker brothers and sisters and all of that. And so um, kind of out of the spirit of that, Paul then jumps in and he begins to talk about his role as, uh, you know, as an apostle. And so Paul kind of, if uh, I think my grandmother would say at this point that Paul has a little bit of a bee in his bonnet. He, uh, he talks about, you know, this idea of surrendering his rights. He says in verse one, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus as Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I'm, a not, I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you, uh, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And so what we get from the context of this letter is that there were those that were in uh, the church in Corinth that were questioning Paul's place as an apostle. Um, as we go on, we we kind of hear a little bit more about, uh, you know, Paul's defense and, and like why he says that he, uh, he certainly is an apostle. The first of those things is he says the church at Corinth just needs to look at themselves, that his apostleship is reflected in them and their discipleship and in, in who they are as a church. He goes on in verse 3 and says, This is my defense to those who would examine me. Um, do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I that have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating of any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Um, and so Paul is apparently coming up against a group of people in the church that because of the lifestyle choices that he's making, because of um, his you know, wanting to be a tent maker and him having the ability to be able to, to raise a living for himself um, and, and that you know, he, he basically is saying that there are people that are saying that somehow Paul and Barnabas are, are taking money from the church that they're not entitled to and, and that they're somehow harming the cause of Christ because they're a burden on the church. And Paul's just pointing out and he's just stating the, the obvious fact that he's no less an apostle than Peter or any of the, the rest of the 12, that the rest of the 12 do things like they travel at the church's expense and they bring their wives along at the church's expense, that, that they, they ultimately uh, draw a salary and they're, and they're 
their livelihood is paid for by the church. And and Paul's basically just kind of saying, look, I I deserve the same thing. I'm not the only one who who doesn't quote unquote work for a living. But then what he goes on to point out is he says, look, there's a there's a principle in God's word that says that pastors do work for a living and that the church should support them. And so he says, do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? We're talking about the, the Old Testament. For as it is written, the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. It is for oxen that God, is it for oxen that God is concerned? Um, does he not speak entirely for our sake? Is it was it written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing the sharing in the crop? If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we too much if we reap spiritual things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, we do not do we not even more. So Paul's basically saying, look, I, the work stands for itself. Um, that that we've spread the gospel and that I've you know that I've helped to 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 build and encourage the church and and so the fact is the church supporting me um, is is right it's right according to God's word God's word is always um, you know has has always stood for the principle that those that work on behalf of the Lord to sustain God's people should be paid you know by the church um, Paul then then kind of changes um, and, he, and he starts talking about the fact that he doesn't want that to be um, an, uh, he doesn't want that to be an obstacle of the gospel nor should it be an obstacle of the gospel and and then so he says in verse 15 but I've made no use of any of those rights nor am I writing these things to secure such any such pr- provision for I would rather die than have anyone b- deprive me of my ground for boasting Um for if I preach the gospel, uh, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For it is it, for I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but, but if not of my own will, I'm still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in preaching that I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. And so Paul's basically saying, I'm preaching the gospel for the right reasons. I'm preaching the gospel because I'm called to preach the gospel, not because somebody's paying me to preach the gospel. Um, you know, you go back into Philippians 1, and and Paul says something really, you know, kind of interesting. He, he talks about these people that are that are spreading the gospel, but they're, they're doing it for the wrong reasons. And I imagine he's probably talking about people that are preaching the gospel, but they're doing it in order to make sure that they have a living, not because they really believe that people need to um, turn away from their sin and need to follow Jesus. But what does Paul say in Philippians 1? He says, I know that there are people that are out there that are preaching out of impure motives, but still... Um, I praise the Lord that the gospel is being preached. Um, so Paul's not Paul's not throwing stones. He's not he's not upset over the, because because ultimately the gospel is going forth. And so he sort of talks out of that principle in this passage as well. But he's saying, look, the thing that you need to judge the the worth of my preaching, the worth of my ministry is. Do I consistently point toward the gospel? And y'all, that's the thing that we have to judge ourselves by. 
It's not what people say about us. It's not how well we're accepted in the community. It's not, it's not how well people, you know, think that we even do the task that we do. Are we faithful um, to proclaiming the gospel? Are we faithful to pointing people to Jesus as their only hope? And if we're doing that, then then we're we're doing the right thing. So Paul says in verse 19, though I'm free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. So Paul says, look, I, I'm, I'm free. I don't have to please anybody but Jesus, but I've tried to make myself, I've, I've tried to make myself culturally to bend to the culture. Um, and so I've made myself like a Jew. He says, um, to those, he said, to the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though myself not being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Verse 22. And, and so Paul, Paul basically says, look, I've gone into the culture and I've, I've, like I've made myself, I've accommodated to the culture in order to be able to, to proclaim the gospel to people and to make them comfortable so that I can tell them about the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I'll just say this, I think in the church today, um, we, we're really comfortable going out into the culture. Um, as a matter of fact, we probably, all of us could probably examine how much we have subtly become like the culture, how much we've become you know, less attuned to those things that offend the heart of God, how much we become comfortable with things in our world that don't, that don't reflect the, the law of God or the heart of God, and we've chosen to kind of let those things go, or we've chosen not to pay attention to those things. Paul here is saying, he's saying that a cultural accommodation is not the goal. We're not supposed to go in the culture to become like the culture. We're supposed to go in the culture in order and, 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 to, and to accommodate, to make, to make ourselves like the culture so that we make people comfortable so that we can make the gospel the main thing. But that doesn't mean becoming like the culture in, in ways that, that, we, that we become things that displease the heart of God. Um, Jesus in the high priestly prayer in, in John 17, um, you know, he, he talks about, about that, that we're going to be in the world, but Jesus prays that we would not be of the world. What, why is he praying that? Because, because he wants us to be of him. He wants us to be characteristically Christian before anything else. And so Paul ends this passage with a warning about, about how we should conduct ourselves when we go into the culture, when we slip into the world that's that's outside the body of Christ. He says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So do not run aimlessly. Do not, I do not box. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself 
should be disqualified. And, and Paul, so ba- Paul basically says we need to be like athletes. We need to be athlete like athletes that train and prepare and get ready for and sacrifice in order to get ready to go into the place that we've been called to go, which is into the world. And so that means that means our prayer life and our, our study of God's word and our fellowship within the body of Christ, like all of those things that are our communion with God and our communion with God's people are about helping to prepare us and about helping to discipline us so that when we go out into the world, when we go beyond the body of Christ, that, that we're like we're athletes that are ready to perform. We're soldiers that are ready to serve. And, and what we're ready to serve and what we're ready to perform in is the gospel. And, th- and that the reason that we do those things is to point people um, toward Jesus. And, and so today, I, I hope that this Bible study encourages you. I hope it encourages you that, that ultimately we, like Paul, like everyone, are, are called um, to, to do things and to conduct ourselves in ways that would that would put the gospel on display, that would show people who God is, um, that would that would make people comfortable uh, around us, but that we that we we make people comfortable, but we allow the gospel in places to be able to make people uncomfortable. So we don't change the gospel. We don't change what Jesus says. We don't change the requirements of salvation. We don't change anything in our understanding about grace or mercy. Neither do we change anything in our understanding about ultimately about heavenly judgment. But but what we do do is is we we're we're able to come in and and, and say that that in a in a very loving in a very winsome way um, that that we want to we want to tell people about. The, what Jesus has 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 done for us, and about how Christ has laid down His life. Why? Because because we believe that that's the only way to eternal life. And so we go out and we make ourselves uncomfortable in order to make other people comfortable with our presence. But we also risk making them uncomfortable by sharing um, the uncontrovertible. Um, Word of God, and we point them to the truth of the gospel. So today we're praying for India. We we want to ask you to pray with us as we pray for Lifeline's work in India. We want to pray for our team both uh, in the U.S. and our team in India as we facilitate adoptions for uh, for many families that are pursuing children with. Uh, medical special needs. We, we want to pray for our U.S. team of Kendall and Gracie and Elizabeth and Katie, and we want to pray for our India team of Alex and Dolly and Vikram and Rajiv and Denny and Ria and Rajaneri and Neha and Godsey. Um, we want to pray for our unadopted partners and their ministries in India. We want to pray for Tara and Satara with Steps Home, with Hannah and Krupa, with Hannah Krupa Ministries, Nathaniel and, and Bani in New Life Foundation. We want to pray for Balu and uh, Vintha in New Life Foundation in another city. And we want to pray for Alex Sam. Uh, in his work with with Everett Mission. And then finally, we want to pray for our our Global Orphan Care team here um, as they serve in Asia and as they serve and equip our partners in India, and that's Jeremy and Amber and Sonia. And so uh, we pray that you'll you'll pray with us over the course of this week, um, that you'll pray for our team in India, you'll pray for the gospel to go forth, you'll pray for our team to be in the right places in order to do the things that God has called them to do. 
And as, as always, we're really thankful that you've joined us for the Defender Bible Study. Uh, we'll be right back here next week. We'll be delving into chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians as we consider continue our study uh, in 1 Corinthians. We're thankful that you're along for the journey with us on this. Um, and we pray that this Bible study has edified you and blessed you. Um, we pray that it's contributed to your walk with Jesus. Uh, and at Lifeline, we want to be here to, to come alongside you, to come alongside your church, to, to minister with you as we seek to manifest the gospel to orphan and vulnerable children by equipping uh, the body of Christ to do the work that Christ has called us to. And so have a great week. Uh, we love you and thanks for listening. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.